Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we dancing, y'all. And on this episode of Welcome to the Winter Circle, I have a special co-host alongside me, direct from Montreal, Canada, Andrea Karam. Welcome. Thank you, Derek. Super stoked to be here with you guys. And I'm super stoked to have you on and to introduce you and our listeners to today's guest. On today's episode, we interview a father of two boys, an aspiring superhero who began his journey at Onnit in Austin, Texas, two years ago in the customer service department and making shakes in Onnit Cafe. He is now the Onnit Gym general manager, as well as a coach at Onnit Gym. Most recently, he is featured as a fitness model in Onnit's recently launched Onnit 6 Steel Club six-week online program available at onnit.com. Welcome to the winner circle, Larry Maloney. Thanks, man. I'm, uh, I'm super stoked and uh, feel very fortunate to be able to be on the podcast with you. And um, I don't think I told you this yet, but this is the very first podcast I've ever done. And so I'm especially excited and slightly nervous about it, but uh, uh, overall excited. Yeah, well, we're excited to have you and you're in good hands. Let's have some fun. And we're going to be exploring your hero's journey all throughout this podcast. And every hero's journey starts with their mission. And to the listeners at home, if you don't know your mission, there's no better time to start thinking about that and creating a mission and guiding North Star for you than the now. So Larry Maloney, what is your mission? Um, I think my mission overall is to impact as many lives positively as I can um, in fitness and wellness and health. Um, you know, not, not just as a coach, but also as a manager, um, hopefully as a mentor um, and a leader. Um, I think I want to, you know, I found my inspiration, uh, you know, a little over 10 years ago in fitness. And that's when I realized that I want to touch as many lives as possible um, through fitness. Um, which is how I ultimately ended up here at Onnit. Excellent. Where, do you, where did you come from before you were at Onnit? What was your journey that led you to Onnit? Let's talk a bit about your origin story, Larry. Yeah, so, um, you know, I was pretty directionless for a long, long time. I, uh, I went to school for nothing in particular off and on for several years, uh, but I was in the food industry, actually. I worked in the food industry for almost 15 plus years. Um, I was a waiter. Um, I worked at Chipotle for a long time as a manager and then a general manager there. Um, and ultimately, um, along that along that path, I lost some weight. I lost a significant amount of weight and realized that I really liked working out um, and, you know, tried to figure out a way how I could be in the gym all day and still make money, um, you know, and, and that led me into um, working the front desk at my previous gym um, here in North Austin. And um, I was there, I worked at that facility for eight years and worked my way up from the front desk to being the general manager of that gym. And then um, 
you know, kind of hit a ceiling and realized that I wasn't reaching as many people as I would like to, which then kind of uh, gave me the nudge to reach out to Onnit and try to get a, a position there. Just knowing that Onnit's got this global reach that I would not normally have access to, um, you know, and, and the facility is right in my backyard in Austin, Texas. So I had to to do everything I could to try to get get over to Onnit to to extend my reach of fitness and wellness to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So how did you get your foot in the door? You reached out to them, but many, 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 many people reach out to Onnit, as yeah. you know, I'm sure. You know, what's funny is, uh, you know, I've been listening to the podcast, uh, your podcast for a while, and, and I recently listened to po- uh, Sam Pogues. And so I had, uh, I've been following Onnit for a long time and was a big fan of everything they were doing as far as um, holistically, you know, mentally, physically, they were kind of covering the bases of nutrition, fitness, and, and psychology. And uh, Sam had his podcast at one point. I got really into his podcast. And, and uh, you know, his is all about fitness professionals and how they made it and how they got involved. And so, um, or how they made it in the industry, basically. And um, I kind of made it my mission to uh, apply to any job posting that was posted at onit.com. And so um, I share this story openly with anyone, um, anyone that, you know, inquires to me about a job, like, hey, if you really want to be at Onnit, just you got to keep pressing. So I, I applied to, I applied like six or seven times before I ever got a call back or a nod or anything. Um, I applied for accounting positions. I applied for front desk stuff. I applied for customer service. Like, anything that popped up, I applied to it. Um, I did make it to one other round of interviews to be, um, to work with Aubrey. It was uh, via his social media management, um, which I think, uh, and I laugh about now, ultimately went to Eric Godsey. Uh, and I'm glad it worked out. I told him, you know, I applied for that same position. I make it to the, made it to the second round of interviews, but ultimately you won out that position, which I'm super thankful for the way everything worked out for both him and I. Um, but yeah, I, I just kept, I made it a mission and, and I, and I tell everyone I got, I set up alerts left and right so that anytime a job posting popped up, I applied for it. Um, what ultimately ended up happening is, uh, there was a posting for the customer service position and, um, they've only ever done this once as far as I know, but they were hiring for a part-time intern. And so it was like 15 to 20 hours per week. Um, and it was working in the customer service department, answering emails for the onit.com, and then partially working in the gym in the, um, the cafe front desk area. Um, you know, and so I saw that posting and I actually sat on it um, and, and didn't apply right away to that one because I, uh, I was still a general manager at my previous facility. So I was running a 900 plus member gym uh, up in North Austin with, you know, 30 employees reporting to me like I was I had kind of hit the ceiling where I was at but I was doing that 50 plus hours a week um and so I saw this part-time gig pop up um uh, and at the same time I was going to school to finish out my associates because I was I was just feeling the need to learn a little bit more so I was going to school working a full-time job and then I saw this on it posting and um it's kind of funny because several people in my life uh and not not for, not for for in the negative sense, but had told me don't apply for that. That's not you're a general manager. Why would you go for a part time internship, and on it? And I was like, yeah, you know, you're kind of right. You know, I'm making pretty good money where I'm at. I'm working full time. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to take this you know step down to to go into this facility. Um, 
and I actually, the job posting was up for probably two weeks. And then one day I was just kind of like, screw it. I'm going to apply. Like, I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to put it in, you know, I'll just, I haven't heard for anything from the other posting. So I'm just going to put it in and see what happens. Um, and the next day I got a call back, uh, from, from Katie and Shanda down in customer service. And, um, they'd asked if I wanted to, uh, do a phone interview for it. And, um, so I, I went ahead and did that while being pretty nervous at the same time because my current facility, the place that I was at, not knowing that I was looking at all. Um, and so I did a phone interview that went really well. Um, and then I, uh, they called me back for an in-person interview. And um, so I had a, uh, it's probably one of the most fun interviews I've ever had in my entire life with all these great questions. Um, you know, we're out, we're talking about the hero's journey and a lot of their questions uh, revolved around like, who would you be? And, you know, uh, if you had to, I, one of my favorite questions was um, if you were um, uh, a fictional character, who would you most closely relate to? And like my, my answer was Star-Lord because I mean, all of them into the Marvel stuff. Um, but they were all into superhero, um, you know, the superhero's journey and all that stuff as well. And so I had a great interview with them and they called me back about three days later and offered me the position. So I ultimately, uh, I, you know, I wasn't going to turn that down. I'd be, have to be crazy after all those interviews to, to not take it. So I actually, at that point in time for almost four months, I guess three months or so, I was working full-time as a general manager, part-time here at on it, and then going to school, um, at the same time. So it was a crazy couple of months, but, um, you know, I, uh, like, I, like I was saying, I tell everyone, if you really want it, you got to make it work. You do whatever it takes to get to that goal that you've set for yourself. And so, um, you know, after doing that for a couple months on it, offered me a full-time position. So I came over here full-time. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So that first position you had it on it, was it uh, like intern? So you were not getting paid for that? Or do you want to clarify that? Yeah, so it was a it was a paid internship. It was uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I was getting an hourly rate to work in the customer service. I was working customer service. I think twelve, like it was like two or three days a week, and then I was working one day a week um, here in the cafe at On It, making smoothies and stuff. So I was um, I was fortunate to have kind of a foot in both roles, um, in both worlds, anyways. Both of like the On It .com stuff, which is you know a large portion of the business as well as the gym which is where I feel like I thrive and I and I really love being around that type of energy so I get to be in both places which was cool yeah that's beautiful no I was just asking for that clarification because our guest that we've had on a few weeks ago Josh Orenstein um, oh, yeah. he started off as an intern at on it as well but he, it was in the on it gym so he wasn't getting paid so he was working for free for months on months on months um, just because he believed in the brand just like you and then they offered him a job just like they did with you. So the yeah. full-time job that they offered you, which was, what was that in? Um, so I was offered a full-time position in the customer service. Um, and I was still, it was a hybrid role. Um, like I said, it's not something that they, uh, I haven't seen them do it again, to be honest. Um, but I, I'd like to think it went pretty well just cause I, I ended up in a good spot. But what it was is I was working um, like 30 hours a week in the customer service, answering emails, answering phones, stuff like that for um, on it.com. And then uh, one or two days a week, I was working in the cafe and the front desk, helping out here with the, the members in the gym. Um, so I was doing a little bit of both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you went from a general manager at your old gym, managing all the staff to essentially a demotion in terms of responsibility. What did you learn in that process? 
Um, you know what's uh, funny is I've been, this is the, the third business where I've been the general manager, but all three businesses I have started at the bottom and, and gotten and climbed the ladder to where I wanted to go, um, which I full, wholeheartedly believe in that most people should do. And, and like, I'm not saying that you shouldn't just try to go for something higher, but um, I've, from my several iterations of, of being in different roles, um, I've learned to start where you need to start, learn all the roles, learn all the responsibilities, all the different dynamics of a business, and then climb your way up from there. Because um, ultimately, once you have those experiences, it's going to make you a better person and a, a better employee. And then if you have these uh, goals of getting to a management position, it makes you a better manager to know what has to happen in these different roles by pulling in that experience of like, oh, I remember how this felt, or I remember this wasn't cool. And so it gives me the, the power to remember what that was like in that role and make the, the change that I need to change for both the employees and the members. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a voice inside your head? I know you had family and friends, you're saying, no, don't take, don't take that internship job. Um, don't take that demotion. How about yourself? Did you have that internal resistance saying, no, I shouldn't do that? And if so, how did you move past it? Um, yes. I, I think that, the, you know, it's, it's the resistance. It's, you know, it's telling you, no, I shouldn't do that. You know, that's going to be, you know, I'm not getting paid enough to do that. It's going to be too hard to balance all this stuff. Um, and you have to, ultimately it's about conquering that resistance of like, if you know in your heart that this is something that is going to be beneficial to you, uh, both uh, in fulfillment of your personal goals and, and possibly in the future financially, it's something you have to push through. And um, it is kind of hard. Um, I think when, when other people are telling you that, Hey, you know, this may not be the best decision, especially when it, it comes to family and whatnot, you know, my, you know, doing that, working two jobs and going to school, you know, I wasn't seeing a lot of my kids or my wife at the time. Um, and um, it was hard to, to be away, but ultimately knowing that at the other end of this, there's something way better um, was what was pulling me through. And, um, and, and really it comes in the belief in yourself of knowing that like, hey, I set this goal and I know this is something I can do and not kind of not really wavering from that if you if you set your eye on that prize and really push through that's that's a a test of mental fortitude as well as the physical that comes with it as far as spreading yourself um so yeah it was um it was it was hard at times to to go through but once i had once i got the position i knew i could get i could get the rest done it was just reminding myself this is going to be a hard couple of months this is going to be you know a hard season of my life but on the other side I'm going to be way better off uh both per personally fulfilled and you know at some point I know the financial part will come back to me mm -hmm. that sounds like faith to me having faith yeah and go ahead and choosing faith over choosing fear a choice yeah yeah and, and I would even clarify, or I would go so far as to say having faith in yourself um, of, of really knowing that, hey, this is something that I want and I want to do and know that I can do and having the faith in yourself to um, not necessarily listen to the resistance, um, whether that's in your head or other people. Um, and like I said, you know, other people are, are, were looking out for me and I, and I don't disregard what they were saying. It was just in my heart, I knew that this was the place I needed to go and the thing that I needed to do.
Mm-hmm. How did you? Can I, can yeah, I go ask ahead. a question? Yeah. yeah. Did you come in knowing you wanted to be general manager of the gym, or at first when you came in, you were just you didn't know what possibilities you had yet, or did you have like the eye on the prize since the beginning? Um, that's a good, great question. Actually, um, you know what's funny is uh, a little bit of both. I'll say, um, but. When I, uh, when I ultimately made the move to that customer service role, um, in my mind, I, I wanted to uh, be at a facility where I could reach more people. And I knew onit.com was that thing. It was a, it's a global brand, you know? And so in my mind, I was going to jump into um, like the fitness adjacent. Like I was going to jump into the .com part of the business and work my way up into this other, other platform, you know, which was you know, answering customers via email and working in the warehouse and figuring out supply and demand and all that stuff. Um, so that was my, my first thought was like, I'm going to go into this customer service spot and I'm going to work my way up to this other side of the business. Um, what I found out is I am a mover and I do not like sitting in front of a computer for eight hours a day. And that is just not my jam. Um, and so I did, I was, uh, when you come into a role at Onnit, um, and this is good clarification for anyone that's interested in, in coming on board at Onnit, uh, once you are in that role, I, I believe it's uh, six months to a year the minimum that you have to be in that role. So even if you came on board in some other role and ultimately had your eye on working in the gym or something like that, you have to be in whatever uh, job you came in for at least six months before the possibility of transferring over into another department is even available to you. Um, So, and that's something that we try to clarify with people that come on board is that, hey, if you ultimately want to be a coach, but you're coming on as like an accountant, that doesn't mean you get to come in as accountant and then go over to the gym side after two months or something like that. It's it's really doing your due diligence and and fulfilling the role that you came in as before there's a possibility to move. but yeah, going back to it, I, I did, I did um, customer service for like six months and realized, oh, I need to be in a gym. That's where I belong. Um, I miss coaching. I miss being in the energy environment where people are, are you know, getting a killer workout and bettering themselves. And um, at about that time is when I, I realized like, oh, I, I really need to be a coach. And I, you know, I think I could be, I think I could provide value to the gym as far as my experience of of management in the, the gym environment. Mm-hmm. So when you realized that you wanted, you needed to be a coach again, did you, who did you talk to? How did you initialize that process? Um, this is all, uh, these are all great questions. And it's, it's funny remembering some of this stuff. So ultimately I talked to um, Katie and Shanda on the customer service and they, they're amazing and they're great about checking in with their employees and, um, really mapping out uh, or having conversations with you to map out where you want to be, where you want to go. And after a few months, I told them, you know, I would really like to get back into coaching. I like, I like being a personal trainer. I love coaching. Um, that, that time with the members is something that's, uh, that's something that I love and is invaluable to me, even in like a very small capacity. And so I told them I'd like to coach on a part-time basis as well as uh, work in the customer service and I, I you know I let them know I won't let it get in the way of what I'm doing here um, is just be a way for me to possibly earn some extra money and so um, they had uh, you know I was working the cafe and um, I was around all of the trainers and 
all of the personalities and I was around, you know, Juan specifically. Um, and, and you can maybe speak to this. Uh, Juan's a little intimidating uh, if you don't know him. And so I didn't really get to talk to Juan a lot. So I, I was, uh, I'm not afraid, we'll, uh, and I'm, I'm sure when he listens to this, we'll laugh about it, but I was a little afraid of Juan. Um, I didn't really <laughs> Uh, but now we're, we're I, I, I feel it's safe to say we're, we're pretty good friends, but um, I kind of had dropped, dropped it to him a little bit here and there that, hey, you know, I was a trainer where I was coming from before and I was still training some people out of my garage and whatnot, um, but I think I could be a coach here. And so they, he had mentioned going through some of the certifications, which uh, is one of the bigger benefits of, of working on it, in my opinion, is you get access to these certifications and knowledge base that um, you know, have a, provide a ton of value as far as uh, being a personal trainer and anyone that's in kind of any kind of movement coaching. Um, and so I talked to Juan about it and he said, oh, just, you know, be around, you know, take the certifications um, and, you know, we'll see what's possible. And um, so for like, I think I went through all of the Onnit certifications inside of like four or five months. So like every couple of weekends, I was spending an entire weekend at, on it as well as working full-time just going through the knowledge um the all of the fitness education that on it provides and um ultimately i then set up a meeting with john wolf um and let him know this is what my background is this is what i do um and me and john had an amazing first meeting where we both really jived as far as education and learning um i'm a, a pretty voracious book listener i listen to books out every day in some capacity podcasts and stuff and me and john both uh really uh, i want to say bonded and jived over uh talking about teams and what a you know teams look like and and how to build a team and what roles are in a facility and so um after uh, about i think it was like seven months or so in, in customer service i uh the a role opened up to be the front of house assistant manager and so then I came over full-time to the gym um, managing the cafe and the front desk so it was kind of a weird windy process but ultimately um, ended up back where I feel like I belong and and um, where uh, a place that I think I'll thrive and provide the most benefit for for on it mm -hmm. So you've, we've already talked about some of your uh, mentors you've met along the way and the certifications um, you've, take, you've taken. So let's take a moment to honor and recognize some of the mentors in person, in your books, in your podcasts that have really la left a lasting impact on you. And what were the key lessons you've learned from them? Yeah, so um, I've, I've had a lot of uh, mentors along the way. Um, you know, one of the... Um, one of my first mentors in the food industry, actually, um, his, uh, his name was Seth Myers. He was one of the, the managers that I went up through the ranks with at Chipotle. And uh, he, he was very big on um, the, the team aspect and really making sure that your team is taken care of and that your employees feel valued and whatnot. Um, he was a very strict person, um, which I, like, I, I personally, I kind of divulge from that point of, of being like a disciplinarian as far as a leader goes. Um, but I learned a lot from him being that way of, of this is right, this is wrong, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. Um, and ultimately, um, he, uh, he was a, a great uh, 
uh, role model as far as what a manager and a leader looks like. Um, and the, the books and podcasts and stuff, I'm really uh, big on. Um, I love Jocko Wilnick's philosophies on stuff. I think a lot of on it people probably are um, of just like, uh, ultimately you're the one that's in charge of, in charge and held liable for everything that's, that's done around you. Um, especially when it comes to leadership. Um, I'm a firm believer, believer in, in that you're, it ultimately comes down to you, of you not handling something that needs to be handled um, or pe putting people in the right place, you know? Um, so that's a, another big one that I listen to. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Those are probably the two bigger ones that I kind of uh, follow and listen to along regularly. I'm, I'm really big into any kind of leadership books. Um, I, I listen to a lot of psychology stuff, so it, it varies day by day, but I'm usually going through about a book a week. So it's hard to remember all the different ones that they, they go in there, but they all kind of tie together. A lot of them kind of come from the uh, end up, end up at the same place anyways. Mm -hmm. um, I would like, I would say uh, another big one is John Wolf and coming up under him. Um, it's been great working more closely with him, um, having known about him from before working at on it and then working more closely with him um, has been awesome as far as the knowledge base. And um, again, he, uh, he has a, um, a great insight on fitness business and what that should look like uh, as well as customer service. Um, and then uh, I think lastly, I don't get to see him a lot, but Jason Havey um, is another huge inspiration of mine. Um, having uh, gone through the employee orientation, I, uh, he, uh, he did an amazing job during that orientation. And um, he's a, a really engaging speaker. And listen, listening to him, you can tell how much passion he has for on it and the brand and everything about it. And I remember leaving my employee orientation so fucking pumped that I was like, yeah, I can't believe, like, this was amazing. And I emailed Jason immediately afterwards, which he had urged us to like, hey, let me know what your goals are, what you want to do. And I think within the first hour of leaving that, I had reached out to him and told him, this is what I want to do. I want to move up and on it. I was a manager. You know, I, I kind of gave the rundown of what this hero's journey looked like um, and how I ended up at on it and kind of in this you know, beginner level. And this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, ultimately, uh, every time I see or hear Jason talk, I'm like, wow, this guy is just, he just lives, breathes on it. And, and he's someone that I think that or he's someone that I just really admire as far as the presence that he brings to any, any, uh, any meeting. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier, um, when we we're talking about faith is a big part that helped you is having faith in yourself. And I know that is not something easy for many to do. Many of your clients might not have faith in yourself. Many of these listeners may not have faith in themselves. How did you develop that faith in yourself? And how do you teach and advise someone to do, the, do that themselves? That's a great question. Um, I think building that mental like fortitude is something and that faith is, 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 uh, can amount to working out. It's something that you have to build. Um, and um, I think when I, uh, coming up in like high school and stuff, I was actually, this is going back a little ways, but um, I was not the most um, confident person. I, you know, didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I didn't have a lot of faith in myself. Um, and, and then coming out of high school was very similar. 
Um, that's when I had gained a lot of weight and I was very overweight. And when I was about 21, 22 is when I lost about a hundred pounds or so. Um, and I think for me, that was a light switch of, I can do anything that I want to do. I can do, I, if I put my mind to something, I'm in control. I'm the one that can do whatever I want to do. And since then, um, I think that I've had this unwavering faith in myself of like, once I set my mind to this, I'm going to do it. And, and just like knowing that like, oh, I am in full control. And that's going back to like Jocko. That's why I really like that mentality of like, I am in control. I am the one that's handling this from beginning to end. I am, um, you know, as, as Joe Rogan would say, I'm the hero of my story. So like, I'm going to make this happen. And so I think overcoming some kind of big first obstacle, uh, going back to like that hero's journey, that's what's going to instill that faith of you of like, I, I am in control of this and I can keep going. And, and it's something that um, I don't think I'll ever stop relearning. Uh, when it comes to an obstacle of some sort, but having that fortitude of like, oh, I've done those, I've done this before, I've made it through, I've made it to the other side, I can do it again. I think that's mm -hmm. how you build that faith, uh, much like working out or fitness is, is just building over and over again and breaking down and rebuilding and, and pushing through. Yeah, losing that 100 pounds at um, 21, 22 is a real aha moment for you. How did you lose that weight? Um, it, it's a funny story. Um, I, for some reason, I, made, I had made my mind up that I was eating all kinds of junk stuff. I was working at Chili's at the time. I was a waiter. So I had access to all kinds of food for free all the time. Um, but I was kind of tired of being overweight and decided that I was going to only eat sandwiches and air popcorn, air popped popcorn. That, that was all I was going to eat. So for like four months, that's, that was all I ate. And um, every day I ran, regardless of the day, the time, whatever, I ran like a, there's like a two and a half mile loop around my neighborhood. Um, but uh, kind of going back to that, that faith and that control, I was like, well, I can control these two things. I can control exactly what I eat and I can control how much I'm exercising. And I don't necessarily have access to a gym, but I know I can run. I can run as far as I want to run. There's plenty of running place, running space. Um, and I, you know, I wasn't big into nutrition, but I was like, I know that if I eat a sandwich, it's not a ton of calories or anything like that. And I know that in this popcorn, it's pretty filling and there's not a ton of calories in that. And so for four months, I think that's all I ate. Um, and I've told this, that story to several people and I do not necessarily recommend that. That's not like, <laughs> that's not like the ideal way to do that. But it was just something that I knew I could control. I, I can control those things. And so I just stuck with it, uh, especially once I saw some results. I was like, okay, this is working for right now. So like, this is my first step on this journey, you know? Mm -hmm. But even on that journey, I'm sure resistance came up because resistance will come up again and again all throughout our lives. Stephen Pressfield describes resistance as a negative negative force in life that keeps us from fulfilling our dreams. How did you battle resistance back then? Um, and in terms of making sure that you went for those runs, making sure that you ate how you um, wanted that sandwich and that popcorn, even though when that resistance was telling you not to, and then how do you battle resistance and face it today? Yeah, um, man, I love Pressfield stuff. He's, he, he would be one of those people that I, I listened to his books uh, pretty, pretty frequently. Um, and 
the resistance will never not come up. It's, it's always there. Uh, sometimes it's smaller, sometimes it's bigger, but at that time, um, I think it was the, uh, the fact of seeing some results of some weight falling off. And I was like, okay, well, this is working. And so as you progress, that resistance gets a little bit smaller. That voice gets a little bit tinier, a little bit less loud. And then once you hit that critical mass of um, really seeing that, uh, Shane Hines, <laughs> um, seeing that those results come through, that resistance isn't winning anymore. You know, at that point, your faith and in, in your, um, your belief in yourself takes over. And then you're like, no, like, this is working. I'm going to keep doing it. And, and so uh, there were several times where, uh, you know, I was 21. So there's lots of nights where I went out to the club and, you know, got, you know, pretty tore up at the end of the night and still came home through all my running shorts. Uh, I don't know what that run looked like at that time. Cause I couldn't see myself. It was probably pretty bad. It was probably more like a stumbling around, but I would still go do my two and a half, three mile loop because I hadn't got my run in that day. I was like, well, I have to do it. You know, this is, I, I see this progress and now I got to push through. And at that point, like I said, that, that voice, that resistance is small enough at that point that you can make that decision. Um, but ultimately it's your control. You're in the control, you're in the driver's seat of that. So it's, it's you making that decision of letting yourself off the hook or not. Um, mm -hmm. In relation to now, um, like I said, that, that resistance is still there, but um, it's finding those wins. I think, uh, you know, this is winner circle. It's when you find those small wins and, and they don't have to be huge wins, but like every once in a while, uh, and, and maybe it's weekly or every other weekly, I'll have that small win. And I'll be like, you know what? I do know what I'm talking about, you know? And I think everyone questions themselves sometimes like, oh man, I feel like I'm really faking it till I make it kind of thing. You know, I'm just kind of stumbling along and then a couple of things click and you're like, you know what? I got this. this I do know what I'm doing. And ultimately it kind of refills that, that faith meter in yourself of like, oh yeah, I just needed that little bump and, I, and, and to get me back on track and to squash that voice of resistance. Mm-hmm. And that's how Andrea and I met, is we met through um, the Go For Your Win course that Eric Godsey was leading. And what we learned in that course is we live in a very destination-orientated um, society. When I get this job, when I get this relationship, when I get this car, when I get this house, except this degree, et cetera, et cetera. But the sweetness lays in the process. That is winning. Is winning is by enjoying that process. What does going for your win mean to you, Larry? And what does your win look like for you in life today? It's a great question. Um, going for your win, I think, means setting that goal and keeping your eye on the prize. Um, like you said, the destination is part of it, is like really uh, not letting yourself falter on your way to that goal. So I think, um, you know, kind of goes back to that resistance of not letting that voice win and so on your way to that goal you may have some very minor and small wins but with every one of those small wins it builds a little bit bigger so that when you get to that end goal it makes it even sweeter that you've made it through all these series of progressions um i think that's that ultimately is going for your win is uh uh, going, like I said, starting at the bottom and getting to the top, whether that's, you know, and, then, and there's never, there's never, oh, I'm sitting at the top and this is it. Um, you know, there's always something to build on and progress from. So 
just pushing through and trying to keep progress no matter where you're at and, and pushing that limit. I think that's going for your win is, is really just keeping it going. Mm-hmm. How, do you know does... that you're, how do you know yeah, that you're ahead. progressing? You know, like sometimes you can, you can feel stagnant. How do, you, how do you keep on progressing all the time? Um, that, uh, you know, what's funny is there's a, and this kind of leads into how I ended up at on it. Um, I, uh, there was a point, uh, in my, at the previous job I was at where I was feeling pretty low, um, and not great about myself. Uh, I, I, I would say it's pretty close to the most depressed I've been in a depressive state. And what I realized is I wasn't learning anything and I wasn't progressing. And that put me in like a really bad place mentally. Um, which is how I ended up going back to school because I realized like, oh, I just need to learn. I need to fulfill myself by learning. I'm, that's one of my core principles is just continually learning. Um, and so I think recognizing that in yourself of like, oh, I need to progress. And, and, and the progressing doesn't necessarily need to be anything um, outwardly either. Um, for me at that time, it was just progressing internally, just gaining more knowledge which set me on a better track to progress everything else. Everything else fell in line at that point. Um, I hope that answers your question. That's For me, that's kind of how it all came together was fulfilling myself internally first, which then set everything else back on course. Mm-hmm. So as you progress through on it from the part-time internship um, to the full-time and then to the assistant front house manager, how did the tra- tradition um, how did those small wins lead to where you are now, your big win as the general manager? So how did you get from assistant front house manager to where you are now? Um, I think I tell, I tell everyone, I, I feel like I'm very regularly in the right place at the right time. I just happen to know or not know. I just happen to follow what is important to me and what's in my heart of where I, I think I want to go. And then uh, uh, going back to kind of what I just answered, everything seems to fall in line at that point. Um, you know, a lot of people uh, would, you know, say that's kind of the universe putting everything in its place. If you're really following yourself and listening to yourself of what you need and want to do. Um, so when I got into that uh, assistant role, um, one of the, the, the front of house manager happened to be leaving around that time. And so I was able to um, fulfill whole, her role and jump into the front of house manager uh, from the assistant manager position. Um, luckily, I was in that role for a few months, um, you know, working a little bit more closely with uh, Juan and Ty Burge over here who's the membership director. Um, and both those guys are super awesome. So I got to really build up my relationships with them um, before the world came crashing down. And so then everything shut down. Um, and so that was a, a very interesting um, time. And talk about resistance. Uh, that was a very trying time to overcome and figure out what to do. Um, and so as the, the gym was shut down, um, literally, you know, we had to furlough all of our employees. And the only people in the facility at all were me and Juan Leja. Um, we, we showed up every day still. And we worked on the gym. We renovated. We set up systems. Uh, we, it was just me and him showing up every day. And then um, as we reopened, I had the opportunity. Juan um, had a great opportunity to move up within on it, which created an opportunity for me um, to move into the general manager role upon reopening. And so, uh, 
you know, it was kind of like we were starting a brand new business when we reopened. Uh, you know, we had a minimal amount of people come back. And so, um, you know, like going back to it, it just like everything fell in order the way I feel like it was supposed to happen by just following what I thought was my truth and my belief in myself. Beautiful. So as you made it to your position now as on a gym general manager, there have been many wins along the way. And I think that's important as we make our way to the destination is to really celebrate and enjoy our process. So let's, let's celebrate some of your wins to date. What are some accomplishments you've been most proud of on your journey of life? Um, my journey in life in general. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think, uh, breaking out of, uh, one, you know, losing weight and being in control of that was a, a huge win for me. Um, the next biggest step was, um, having the belief in myself to move into the fitness industry, which was a big jump. Um, like I said, I was a general manager for Chipotle for two years, um, before deciding like, this is not my path. This is not where I belong. I wasn't happy. Um, I was relatively fit. I was staying in shape. I was working out, um, but it just wasn't what made me happy. So um, taking the leap and quitting uh, that position and I did, had nothing, no backup at the time. I had no other job or prospects besides knowing that I wanted to work in a gym. So having the belief uh, in myself to just leave that and have faith in myself that I was going to land a position at a gym um, was a big one. Um, that was a big milestone for myself. And then, um, you know, being here at on it um, or getting the, you know, the job at on it was a huge one. Um, Cause that was a, a goal of mine for years before I ever came on board. Um, and then raising uh, my other my bigger wins are, I think, mentoring and hopefully leading slash managing other up and coming uh, fitness professionals. Um, you know, it's really hard to, to ultimately make it in the fitness pr uh, profession. We were actually just talking about this in the managers meeting the other day that our coaches here at Onage are so amazing because a lot of us have longevity in the industry. Uh, whereas, you know, being a coach or trainer in the fitness industry usually has a lifespan of like two to three years. Um, and, you know, I feel lucky and fortunate enough that I've been doing this for uh, like, I think, 10 years now, about 10 years. Um, and I think uh, in doing so, having in both on it and other or the previous gym I was at was training other trainers and other coaches and finding those people um, and having those conversations of someone that I know feels that same way. I'm getting kind of uh, tingles right now just thinking about it. someone that's so intrinsically like, this is my course. Being a trainer and coaching people, this is what I want to do. Finding those people is probably the biggest win for me is finding, you know, going and talking through a hundred different people, but finding that one person that you're like, oh, you're special. You're going to be an awesome person. You're going to affect a million other lives. So to me, a big win is finding those, those people who through my impact with them is going to touch countless other people helps me spread that, um, that love of fitness and, and, um, and wellness in general. So to me, that's a huge win. And, and one of the perks of being a manager and leader is being able to have access to those people and raise those people up and 
hopefully narrowing their focus on, because it's really easy when you first get in to not know what you're doing, to help guide them and lead them into a place that they're gonna ultimately feel fulfilled and then affect countless other lives. Mm. And how do you mentor, how to best be a mentor to these people you find, these gems? Um, what have you learned from your mentors that help you be a mentor now? Um, I think to mentor to, I think the first part is, is finding those people and really working alongside them to figure out, you know, that they, that they're in it for the long haul. And then two is having those conversations of what do you want? Like, what are your goals? Like much like the questions you're asking me is asking those questions. Like, what is your life's purpose? What is your goal? What do you ultimately want to do? And then, um, trying to, get them to those next steps uh, via what my path was, knowing that, oh, this is a, a very good progression. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm humbled to be where I'm at now as a general manager, but I do recognize that, that you know, this is the, the third place, third business where I've been in charge of managing, you know, a large group of people. So I figure like I'm doing something right, you know? And so I try to, when I mentor these people, it's trying to have that conversation of like, this is what I did and this is what has worked and, and is working for me. So here is what I've done. Here's the, the path that I followed. Pick and take what you need to take out of that to progress yourself. Um, you know, one of um, uh, what I feel like would be someone I mentored, one of the guys at the previous gym I was at, he's now the, the programming director of a really awesome facility in North Austin, which makes me super proud that that dude is going to go on to do great things. And this is like his first step into management. Like, Oh, he's going to be awesome. You know? And I look forward to 15 or 20 years of being like, man, I, I remember when that dude first came on board and now he's fucking crushing it over at this other gym, um, here at on it. Um, you know, we have a couple of front of house people who started off making smoothies and shakes that through those conversations of what do you want to do? Uh, well, I, I kind of like training people. I like doing this. Um, one of the trainers up here, her name's Carolyn. She started up there uh, pretty soon after I took over as manager. And now she's one of our more prolific and, and awesome coaches here. And just knowing that, oh, she's got great things in her future. She's, you know, this is one of those people that I'm like, she's going to be a star at some point. She's going to be affecting so many lives. So I think giving asking those questions and providing the path for them and trying to help them in any way possible obviously i can't make everyone you know follow a certain area but trying to connect the dots for them so that they hopefully get to where they want to go um that's generally the process i follow with most people is is just trying to find that special person and help them as best i can mm -hmm. and one of your biggest wins that i know we've talked about pre-call is your sons and being a husband, a father. So let's talk about that aspect of your life. And what have you learned from being a father to your two boys and being a husband to your wife? Something I know you're very proud of. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a good question. It's, it's a deep question. Um, having kids uh, really puts a lot of things in perspective of both good and bad of your own habits. And, and uh, it makes you kind of go back and look at your upbringing and your parents and what you did. And so I think um, ultimately one of the, the big things for me is trying to raise young men that are, you know, um, 
you know, going to contribute to society in like a very significant way. And that also um, listen to themselves and feel confident in what they're doing. Um, you know, um, I actually recently separated from my wife over uh, the last couple months. So it's, I've actually had to step up into much more of a father role. Um, I have my kids every other weekend, which um, was, uh, it's hard, uh, but it puts it in perspective of me having um, to really focus on them when the time that I do have them, because it's just me. Um, and, and, and me and my wife had a very amicable separation, so we're co-parenting in a great way. Um, but I've had to step up in a way that I felt like I was being somewhat lazy before, because um, I had another person to lean on. And now um, really trying to focus on teaching my sons how to be young men, um, how to have conversations and how to really think and um, push themselves both mentally and physically is something that's important to me and something that I am trying to pass on to my, to my sons at the time. Mm -hmm. So those are um, a few challenges that you've encountered on your path. Um, your separation, having to lose 100 pounds. Maybe this is the answer to my question. or Maybe it's something different. What has been your biggest challenge on your journey thus far and how did you overcome this challenge? Um, my biggest challenge so far, I think, and, and, and it may be because it's, it's fresh, but the biggest challenge so far was probably the, the decision to, to separate from my wife uh, recently, um, just because it, it involves kids and other beings and other people around me. Um, I think that the, that is a, a part of the challenge. The, the biggest challenge is overall listening to your inner dialogue of what's right and what's wrong and, and kind of making that decision of what's good for you. And, um, you know, when it comes to kids, having to weigh that decision of what's good for me versus what's good for them as well. Um, that, was, that was probably the biggest, hardest decision that I've had to make in my life, life at this point and not something that um, I take lightly or suggest anyone ever take lightly. Um, but ultimately listening to, to myself and, and having that decision of this is not ultimately good for me and ultimately good for the, the family, you know, itself. Mm -hmm. So your boys, I know, have taught you a lot about love. What mm -hmm. does love mean to you? Ooh, that's a deep question, man. Uh, love to me is um, is looking at or perceiving someone and being willing to do whatever it takes to make that person happy or fulfilled or um, be successful, um, and and just having that um, that feeling deep down of looking at them and being like. I love them so much, regardless of whether you're really mad in the moment or not. They're like, oh, I'm so, so mad right now, but God, I love you. Like that to me is, is the, is the thing that um, is the definition of love is just having, regardless of what the circumstance is that you come back to that place where you're like, I love this person would still be willing to do anything for them. Really well said. So that was a deep question. Let's have a more fun question. Now we talked about Marvel superheroes and I know you love your Marvel superheroes. 
mm-hmm. and so do I. Um, who, who is your favorite? You said it's Star-Lord. Is he still your favorite? Um, and who are some of your other favorite superheroes? I know your boys love superheroes too. I saw their like Spider-Man bed sheets and stuff you posted. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about superheroes. What have you learned from superheroes and how, how has superheroes have an effect on your life? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm huge into the Marvel stuff. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw or if you can see it. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say. Too. Uh, yeah. So it's Thor's hammer with Captain America's shield, which to me, uh, again, I'm getting kind of tingly from it, thinking about it in the, in the movies where Captain America got to wield Molnir um, just by being worthy. And that's, that's the reason I have the hammer on my hand is the reminder to be worthy um that you're you can only pick up the hammer by being worthy which is why i put it on my uh where i do have it and then captain america kind of stands for justice um uh those uh those two things are as far as the superhero mentality are very important to me some of my all of, i have several tattoos that all revolve around superheroes and symbolism around those things i also have truth and justice tattooed on my side um, you know, it's, it's just that, that whole, um, um, kind of genre and that, that thought of ultimately overcoming obstacles, which is the hero's journey. All of the, all of comic books is a hero's journey. It's someone that somehow, you know, has a path, they get beat down, they overcome whatever obstacle that is. And then, you know, uh, a lot of the comic book stuff surrounds itself around some kind of magic or some type of power that they receive to help them along the way to ultimately um, help as many people as possible. So to me, um, the superhero culture and like that, just that thought of the underdog making it and then becoming the savior of like helping as many people as possible is a big thing um, for me. it's funny the, the I really like Star Lord. They the question that they asked me was what um, what superhero or what fictional character would you most closely relate to? And I and I answered Star Lord, and and my answer was because I like to have fun and goof off and kind of be that character until it's time to do work, and then I do work. And that's why I like Star Lord is because he's kind of a crazy character. He's kind of dumb and kind of screws around but ultimately he gets the job done when it comes down to having to finish what needs to be finished and and so that to me he's one of my favorites as far as that aspect um i think my my kids would answer for me that my ultimate favorite uh superheroes would probably be spider-man and flash or my two two big ones um those two both represent kind of that similar mentality of relatively light uh, they have a sense of humor they're funny but they also have that inner power to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done beautiful andrea what have what have you been thinking so far about this interview i'm great that i'm so glad to have you on board i'd like to hear what you have to say i uh, yeah i might yeah yeah your story is so inspiring um and i think what I love the most is the fact that just the mindset that you've had since the beginning, right? Of being like, I loved how you described your first aha moment that like, oh, if I can do this, then I can do anything I want if I set my mind to it. And I feel like for a lot of people, the problem, maybe, yeah, you could call it the problem, but the challenge comes in staying consistent in those moments where it gets hard. So, so I was wondering, how do you, because you know, sometimes you have a vision and, and 
we talk with Derek, for example, we talk a lot about visualization. We talk a lot about having your goals and dreams. But sometimes when you're in the down, it's so hard to see it coming to fruition or actually thinking it could be real. So I know we talked a bit about struggle and resistance, but I, I'd like to know more about how you keep on being consistent even when you're tired and it sucks and you you don't have the willpower anymore? Yeah, it's um, a great question. The To me, uh, a big part of that is building habits, successful habits. Um, you know, uh, I, I, part of me that I also know is I have a very addictive personality, which is uh, both a, you know, can be a positive, but more often than not for some people, it ends up being a negative. Um, so for me, building those positive habits and those, um, those systems for me, it keeps me accountable to myself. Um, you know, ultimately I trying to be accountable to other people. Um, it's helpful sometimes, uh, especially as being a personal trainer, it's very helpful to be accountable to someone that you're paying and that you've set an appointment for. Um, but it ultimately comes back to your own accountability and are you going to do the work? Um, I think that's what helps me is setting up those habits of like, well, I've, I'm supposed to do this every day or I'm supposed to do this every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and being like, Oh, you know, I kind of don't feel like doing today. Well, I told myself I would, I promised myself that I would do that and, and holding myself accountable to do that thing. Um, like I said, trainers and stuff are, are awesome in, in helping you realize that and helping you get to that critical mass. Like I talked about earlier, once you have those wins and you see some progress, I think it's easier to hold yourself accountable because you see something happen. Um, and a lot of people need to see, see the results before they're bought in. And so, but setting up those habits and those, that internal dialogue of holding yourself accountable is, is a really important part of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that also is very stringent about sticking to whatever schedule I set. Um, I eat the same thing almost every night. Uh, I, I, ha I wear the same clothes almost every day. I'm a very per process-oriented person in that way where I try to take as many other decisions out of my day so that I don't have to th think about that and it won't dissuade me from doing this. Like, okay, I wear the same clothes every day, so I don't have to think about that and possibly be late to my workout because I was screwing around in my closet. I just throw on the same thing and go. Um, so really taking inventory of what's important to me um, over what's not important. And I think that's an important thing for almost everyone is taking the inventory of that stuff. Is this really that important to you or is this important? And if it's like, well, I have these goals to lose weight, great is um, waking up and eating cinnamon rolls or something instead of going to the gym, is that more important or is, or is my ultimate goal going to the gym and feeling more fit and making that decision of like, what's more important to me in the, in the moment. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of your other habits. What are your essential self-care habits, um, that are really working well for you today? Um, yeah, since coming to on it, um, one of the biggest habits I have is every morning I, I do probably 40 minutes to an hour of mobility work. Um, you know, learning the on it systems was huge, uh, for me in realizing that I moved pretty well. Like I, I can do stuff. I can lift weights. I can run jump. And, you know, I did parkour for a long time. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, 
I move well. And then I do the durability and I'm like, oh, I don't move well. <laughs> like I figured out how to move well through the stuff that I don't do well. And so, um, you know, going through that durability um, certification really made me realize like I am not, my hips are not mobile. Uh, my knees are kind of non-functional. You know, I'm, I'm living this one plane and I really need to learn how to move a little bit more fluidly. And so after doing that durability certification, um, it really gave me some insight on how important that is. And um, since then, um, you know, at one, of the, at one point I listened to uh, also Christian Placencia had done a podcast where he talked about doing some mobility in the morning and I was like, oh, I'll give that a shot. And I had promised myself for like, I'm going to do it for a month, see how I feel every morning I'm going to do this. And um, I did it for a month and I was like, that feels pretty damn good actually. Um, Cause I used to be the type of person that would get up and get after it in the morning. I would get up and do, you know, a 45 minute workout, kettlebell swings, pull-ups, push-ups, row, uh, felt really good. But uh, over the long term, you know, was feeling sore and beat up. And now every morning I spend about 40 minutes doing some mobility. Um, again, I take the thought out of it for the most part. I don't change it. I do mostly the same stuff almost every single day. Um, and then every couple of months I'll change it up a little bit, but stick with that same one for months so that I know when I wake up, I have to do A, B, C, D, E, and F, and then I can get on with the rest of my day. But that's been a game changer for me. Um, and that, that's coming from someone who likes to move and press weight and get my heart rate up, but realizing how important that aspect of movement really is mm -hmm. so that is work that's what's working really well for you right now what is something that is not working well for you right now and what steps are you taking to dis to discard that yeah um what is not working well right now for me is probably sleep um which is something that is uh very underrated uh, when it comes to fitness and, and it's getting a lot more awareness now uh, where people are telling you how important it is to get, you know, typically seven to nine hours, depending on your, your own personal biology. Um, but for me right now, um, I'm kind of burning the candle at both ends. There's a lot of work to be done here at on And so I'm, I'm, you know, trying to make sure all the bases are covered. Um, you know, I'm helping out with our customer service department a little bit as well. So I'm like trying to help out and fill what, whatever roles I can. And so I'm getting to bed at like 11 or 12 sometimes right now. And then um, I just, my internal clock is to wake up at 5.30 or 6 every day, man. And so um, I'm getting like five to six hours, which is a, a struggle for me. And so that's something that I fortunately am cognizant of at the moment. Um, I'm still trying to help out where I can and, and, and fill the roles that I need to, but I am trying to whittle that back down and get back onto a better schedule of knowing exactly when I need to go to bed and um, get those seven or eight hours. Mm -hmm. And well, that's the key with awareness comes choice and with choice comes an ability for great change. So the power is in your hands and you have the hammer yeah. with you. So to conclude um, the podcast, uh, we have three final questions, but I just want to give Andrea um, an opportunity to ask any last questions she may have. I know in our pre, um, in our pre whatever me and her had, she connected a lot with you um, in terms of your guys' customer service background. So I don't know, Andrea, do you have any other questions before we wrap this up with Larry? Yeah, for sure. So for a background, what I do is, um, 
I'm doing customer service and community management for a company called the Flow Research Collective. So basically, we are a science-based peak performance training. And we have on board like coaches and athletes and people like you. And we help them perform at a higher level and get more flow in their life. So for, we talk a lot about sleep. It's like a two weeks <laughs> part of the training. <laughs> so definitely get your sleep right. Um, and I was wondering when, so for example, one of our value is being like client obsessed and like what is best for the client is best for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering how do you, how do you keep on, how do you keep on, so now you're the manager, but before that, how do you keep on ideating and brainstorming? to and then implementing to then really provide the best um, experience for your clients? Like, do you have the kind of feedback process with the people you work with and with the clients um, that you coach? Or how do you keep on improving your service so that clients just have the best experience? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Getting feedback um, is, Sometimes not getting feedback is how you know that you're doing a good job, especially when it comes to customer service. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, I've been in customer service my entire life pretty much from food industry to gym and whatever. It's all customer service. Um, not getting feedback means that they're not saying something very, uh, like I was going to say, unfortunately, most people only get on and give feedback when they're mad. Um, which is kind of a you know terrible part of the customer service is that people are way more likely to reach back out if they're unhappy about something. Um, you know, the, on those rare occasions that we do get positive feedback, it's a huge win, obviously. Um, but not hearing from customers is is really um, most of the time a very positive thing. Um, we do uh, send out surveys to our members sometimes, uh, asking them about their experiences or what they like or dislike, what they think could be better. Um, that's always great to ask for that feedback. Um, as far as clients go, if they keep training with you, that's usually the, the positive feedback that you need as long as they keep showing up. Um, and, and it's a great thing when you jive with a client on a, on a level like that, where they, you know, you get to train someone for years on end. Um, but to, to continually try to improve those processes, I think is important as a customer service, uh, and I consider myself like a customer service manager. That's what I'm managing is our members' perception of our gym. Um, continually trying to figure out how to make it better for them, what I can give back to them, what I can give back to our community, what can I make easier for them. Um, obviously, it's not easy to come in and put in that killer workout that's an hour and a half long at the Onnit gym, but I can provide an experience where they get an awesome smoothie afterwards. I can provide an experience where they walk in the door and, you know, three or four people say hi to them um, or myself or Juan walking around and saying, Hey, how are those, uh, how are you doing with your workout? Even though it's not my client, they're not even in my class, but like, Hey, I know you joined two weeks ago. How's it going? Oh man, it's killer. And just having that interaction. um, I think that's how you get that feedback. Um, much like this interview, I think asking questions, and, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier as far as mentoring people, um, asking questions um, and, and getting feedback in the sense of like, what do you like? What do you dislike? Um, how's it going? 
I think that's the best way to get feedback and how to build on those processes. Um, and, and even in coaching, um, when I'm working with my clients, asking questions is the best way to get to know someone. Um, as you can tell right now, asking a question makes everyone loves talking about themselves. <laughs> They'll go on and on. And that's the best way to build rapport and to get more out of someone and how you can figure out how to best help that individual. Um, so that, that's how we improve our processes up here is just being in the mix and being around our members and, and continually um, checking in on them of how they're doing, how they're progressing, what they like and dislike. So let's um, wrap this with our three final questions that we ask every guest. And the, the first one of these is a big one. Um, so on your hero's journey thus far, on your many hero's journeys you've embarked upon, Larry, what has been the greatest life lesson you've learned thus far? Um, deep question. Um, is to listen to yourself. You you ultimately know what's right. Um, and it kind of goes back to that resistance again. If you follow internally what you feel and know is right and, and know what you need to do, um, that's the biggest lesson I've learned is, is to keep listening to myself and not the resistance. Listen to the part that I know, oh, this is something that I know will fulfill me. This is a place that I know I can thrive. Um, this is, you know, sometimes checking my ego and saying, oh, that was a shitty thing that I did and I need to say something about it. Listening to yourself and, and knowing what was, what's your, what your path is and then going forward with that. I think that's the biggest lesson that I've had uh, up to this point anyways. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Andrea? Yeah. So how can you describe the experience that you're having on this earth? That's a huge one. Oof. In three words or a phrase? In, th in three words. Uh, three words or a phrase. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit longer than three words, um, but most recently for some of the larger changes in my life, the, the three or the phrase that came up the best uh, to, to sum up my life is you have one shot at this. I think, uh, yeah, that was, that was something, uh, listen to some of the stoic stuff, Ryan holiday is someone I listened to and, you know, obstacles away, that kind of stuff. And, and ultimately realizing that I, you have one shot. So like, if, if you're not happy in what you're doing, um, if you're not in the place that you want to be physically, mentally, um, any of that, that you have one chance, um, and when you start doing the math on those years, it can mess with your head. And that's kind of, that's, that's been the impetus for a lot of my decisions, especially as of recently, but over the long term, it's like, you got one shot, so you might as well go for it. Excellent. And the final question, um, I'm a bit of a magician and I can play around with time and I believe we all can as well. Uh, so I'm going to transport us into the future. I'm going to transport us into the future and we are alongside an 85-year-old Larry Maloney. Who is that 85-year-old Larry Maloney? What is the legacy you've left behind? And what does your life look like at 85 years old? Mm, great question. Um, I think an 85-year-old Larry Maloney uh, is going to have a legacy of uh, 
having um, worked alongside and mentored a lot of thriving fitness wellness professionals, um, as well as two boys that are, you know, very prolific contributors to society. Um, and I still see myself in a gym, just being the old gym rat that's like the dude that's here five, six, seven days a week, still just plugging away, just doing his thing that just never left. Um, I think you know, hopefully working alongside my kids and my sons and, and just being with them. I think that's, that's what I see for myself as an 85 year old. And that's great. And I want you to picture this 85 year old Larry Maloney working alongside your two superhero sons in the fitness industry. I'm still doing what you love. So I want you to picture him in your head right now. Mm. And I'm going to transport us back to the here, the now, 2020. What does that 85-year-old Larry, what message does he send back to the current day Larry Maloney? Ooh, um, keep listening to yourself. Yeah, I think that's what I, I, he would tell me is keep listening to yourself. Follow your path. You know the path. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Larry. It's been a pleasure having you on your first podcast, first of many, I'm sure. Um, they could find you on Instagram at luminary underscore Larry. Um, they yep. could check you out uh, in the on at six steel club program. I'm doing that one right now at yeah. on it.com. Where else can they find you? Um, those are probably the two best places. Um, you know, uh, you can, my information's available. You can email me at lmaloney at onnit.com. Um, any questions or comments, you know, I, I, a lot of people email me there to ask about getting jobs at Onnit. So I'm always, and I'll reply back to everyone at some point. Um, those are probably the three best places to, to check me out um, at the moment. Beautiful. And if they're ever in Austin, come and say hi. Oh yeah. Come check out the gym. I, uh, even if it's, to just come take a look around. I'm a big fan of showing everyone around, taking your picture in front of one of the murals or one of the banners. Um, I love uh, talking to anyone that's, you know, uh, loves on it as much as I do. So um, I love touring around and showing anybody and sharing the on it love as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And to close every welcome to the winner circle, we raise our fists in the air and we bring it in for a digital fist bump. Boom. We all have the ability to be a winner and it starts with the choice to step up and believe in yourself. So thank you, Larry. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you That's so a- much. Yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for you too. That I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And that is a wrap on today's call.